Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Andrea Williams, uh, COO of the College Football Playoff. Um, We're going to talk a little bit about her career path, some lessons learned along the way, her journey, um, some of her experiences across the conference offices, also at the NCAA headquarters, um, and then some of the pathways that exist currently and and also in the future. So, Andrea, excited to have you on. Uh, A proud Bobcat as well. I will say, uh, I know you're you're an Aggie, but uh, we'll we'll preface with your Bobcat as well, right? I love that that. Thank you so much. It's nice to have a couple of different homes versus just belonging to one institution. That's right. That's right. Hey, we're, you know, I, I will say, um, you know, Andy and I are, are uh, Andy Dolich and I are one of his, um, you know, our new projects is uh, we're coming out with a new book called LOL Loss of Logo. Um, and so, you know, it's a little bit about uh, trying to separate yourself from the logo on your business card and maybe the logo on your mm-hmm. polo. But um, in this case, look, you've had a lot of logos. You've been able to really accomplish a lot in your career. And let's talk about some of those stops, um, kind of where you got started, how you got started, um, and what you know someone listening to this might be able to take away from it. Yeah, Jake, for sure. And thank you so much for having me on today. And, and I absolutely have had a charmed life and career. So I've been very fortunate, but I always like to tell people that I started off as a military brat. My dad's retired Air Force. So we moved all around the country and it was a a great experience. It was every two to three years, you're meeting new friends, new teachers, new coaches, new neighbors. Uh, So it was quite a lifestyle um, that forces you to adapt. And I also was very fortunate. I have an older brother and an older sister and all three of us went on to play sports in college. My brother played football at the University of Richmond. My sister played basketball at the Air Force Academy. And so we're all jocks in the house and really sports was always kind of the fabric of our family. Um, and, And what we did, it was always about you know, be a good person, study hard and um, play sports. And you'll be able to find ways to advance, not only to get a free education in in our case, um, but also to, you know, be able to be prepared for life after college. And and that was for me. And I think you probably want me to dig a little into um, what that was like in terms of making the transition from Texas A&M to the real world. And um, you know, I was on the five-year program, so I spent my, my fifth year working in the athletic department as a student assistant, and I probably had four, five, six internships, student assistant positions um, while I was in college, as well as after I finished graduation, and every one of those stops um, truly did help me in my path to where I am today. I had great fortune to work with some wonderful organizations, have some great supervisors, and had some mentors along the way. And so it was fun. It was a lot of work. I didn't have a lot of direction in terms of, you know, where I was going as relates to athletic administration. And the funny story I like to share too was, you know, I had graduated from A&M in 97. I had worked at the Southern Conference as an intern for about a year, and then was invited to join the Big Ten Conference as an intern um, in their communications department. And I was talking to my parents and my mom was like, but when are you gonna get a real job? And I was like, I don't know, but I feel like this is right. Like there was something about the brand, you know, at the time I didn't really understand the differences between conferences and division one, two and three. Um, but I was like, there's something about this opportunity. I think it's it's the right thing for me at the time. And so 
they supported me, which was great. And luckily I had a really great run at the conference office in Chicago. I mean, one of those, you know, struggle points, right. For a lot of people kind of in that early phase of their career is like, well, I can't take another internship, right. Or I can't right. afford to do that. Or, you know, I'm not exactly sure where this is taking me. So do I really do this or do I go and get a real job to your point? Not that right. Working in sports isn't a real job, but it's it's a lot harder to break in sometimes, again, four, five, six internships in. Um, what's that one piece of advice you would give to someone who is unsure of going after that fourth internship after they've already done three? Um, look, I myself, I with with counting internships and the different things that you get involved in, I mean, I'm, I'm in the teens already in terms of organizations <laughs> I've been in yeah. because I had to do a ton, you know, to get the experience from the start. And you know, look, I, I don't know if I, I think the laws have changed a little bit this way now, but like a lot of mine were unpaid too. So it's not like I was even getting paid to work. Same. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I would tell those individuals to be patient, uh, to persevere. It's tough. And especially when you're coming out of college and you've got classmates or roommates who are graduating and, and joining these organizations and getting paid really well. Um, and like you said, the athletic industry is such a, a difficult one to break into and the competition is fierce. And so as long as folks know that going in and they have an understanding of that, I think that's helpful. Um, they truly have to be passionate about this is what I want to do because you will run into so many closed doors or obstacles and, and that's just part of it. But as you said, once you do get your foot in the door, um, the opportunities truly are endless. So to be patient, to persevere, and, and a lot of folks still go get that full-time job, but they find ways to immerse themselves in athletics in other ways. That could be volunteering at the local university or with professional sports or joining different um, boards and committees that help to support major sporting events that come through town. So there are a number of ways to still get experience, even though you may not work, be working directly um, in the profession that you're pursuing right now, but it's absolutely doable, but we just have to be patient. Well, you mentioned another word that starts with a P other than patient, and that's passion. And it's, look, it's thrown around a lot, but I think one thing that I've at least noticed, and I'm sure you'll feel the same way, is that it's not just necessarily a passion for sports. I mean, sports are great. That sports is the platform. Sports is the context. It's the field. It's the court. It's the rink. It's whatever it is. But it's a passion for the business, though. And there's right. the business component that is so um, complex. It's evolving. It's changing. Every sport's different, right? So having a passion for the business, and and you know, we like to to talk to you know young up and comers in the industry of like don't be passionate about a sport, be a passionate about a part of the business. Are you passionate about marketing? Are you passionate about mm -hmm. operations? So where did that passion on the business side come for you? And, and I'll take it even one step further. And I absolutely agree with you. And, and people say it all the time is, what is your why, right? Like, what is it that you're in it for? And for me, the passion came from being able to be and take part of something that creates an experience for student athletes, for our participants. And as a former student athlete myself, and I tell everybody, you know, as a snot-nosed kid, I didn't really understand, you know, you show up to the gym, there's music playing, there's someone taking tickets, the officials are there, and you get the match or the game going. Um, you didn't really have a sense of understanding of all the different individuals who were responsible for making sure that you could compete in a fair and safe environment. 
um, as well as make sure that you are staying on course to graduation as well as developing as a, a good human being um, for after college. And so for me, knowing that myself, our staff plays a part in terms of creating meaningful experiences and, and not only just for our student athletes and participants, but our patrons, those who are alumni, those who are fans who can be a part of an event or a sport. And so that's really where my passion comes from. And, and that's my why, because I've seen the benefit of what sport can provide to young people and aspiring administrators and those who just want to be around athletics. And I want to be able to give back to that. No, that's great. Um, one word that comes to mind is the transition, right? And, and you even mentioned it earlier in the episode is, you know, you were a military brat growing up and you moved a ton and you, I'm sure you saw a lot in terms of not only from the military side of the family, but also being a student athlete and being around um, not only other student athletes as your friends, but also in your family to where the transition's inevitable no matter what you do in your life, right? Whether you are a student athlete, whether you're in the military, you're transitioning to something. Um, mm -hmm. whether it's from job to job, right? Or city to city. And I think the transition is so important in how to maximize it, take advantage of it, um, try to make it uh, as seamless as possible, even though there's always a struggle and a failure within a transition, right? But what's the biggest lesson that you've learned across multiple transitions, right? Whether it be from student athlete to the real world, as you said, uh, or even just from one conference office to another. Right, there is no one size fits all roadmap, right, for any of us. And I, I reflect on that quite a bit because there were times in my career where I would question, you know, is this the right opportunity? Am I, am I the right fit? And I can give you great examples. You could go from the assistant commissioner of championships for the Big Ten to the assistant commissioner of championships for the ACC, and they're different jobs. Yes, the substance is the same, the foundation is the same, but you're dealing with a different environment, a different culture, different types of institutions, different areas of the country. So no transition um, is going to be a simple and perfect one, but you build on your past experiences to say, okay, this is what I saw and noticed last time. This is how I can improve it moving forward. I'll tell you one of the biggest surprises to me moving from the Big 10, which was in Chicago to the Big Sky Conference, which was just north of Salt Lake in Utah, you know, I was sitting down with our, our championships uh, liaison and lead, and we were talking about the indoor track and field championship had to be at a different elevation than the outdoor track and field championship. And for me, who was new, I was like, I'm so confused. What are we talking about elevation? What do we have going on? And so it was the fact that across the big sky and all their institutions, they were significant in terms of differences in elevation. So in order to provide as fair of a competition across the board, as well as being prepared for NCAA postseason, they had to provide that as an option. And when I worked at the Southern Conference, we didn't talk about that. When we were at the Big Ten Conference, we didn't talk about that. So when you talk about transition and working in the same um, department or area, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same job. But I think, again, and I, and I said it earlier, is just patience, right? Um, being humble being nimble, if, if nothing else, this past year, we learned how quickly that we had to be flexible. Um, and, and again, it goes back to just being patient and, and the more you learn and the more you pay attention to what your experiences are, um, 
the better off and better positioned you are every time that you transition. And like you said, it could be from a sport to sport, a school to school, job to job. Um, it's, it's in everything that we do. And with moving from city to city early on, I know it's definitely different moving early in your life versus later in your yeah. life, right? Responsibilities are different. Maybe, um, you know, one, you're responsible for money when you're not, you know, depending <laughs> on, on, you know, your situation. But what's, what's one of the lessons you've learned from moving a bunch of times that others can relate to at least in terms of how to acclimate the best you possibly can? You know, it, it's a couple of different things. And I know I'm unique in the fact that being in a military family, you moved around a lot, you didn't have any say. And so um, that was really a foundation of, of who I was, but that's not necessarily everyone's case. And so moving around came very easily. Um, but I think as you are starting off your career, you're a young aspiring administrator, or perhaps you're even going through a transition um, in your career, I think, what we have to do is to make sure that we're flexible, that we understand that sometimes we have to go to where the jobs are and they aren't necessarily in the town that you grew up in or where your family is. And so as you go through your career, you're gonna be faced with choices like that. They're gonna be challenging. And as long as you know kind of where your, your North center is and what's important to you, that's what you have to use to guide your decisions because some, it's, it's very important to stay in the region or stay close to family. Others, it's about following whatever is true to their career path and being open to that. And there's nothing wrong with either. Um, and then as you mentioned before, something that you are open and willing to do as a, a younger athletic administrator versus perhaps when you get older, your priorities shift. And so it's always good to just check in with yourself to say, okay, am I what moves am I willing to make or is the right fit for myself or my family? And, and one of the things I heard from a dear colleague of mine, oh, about maybe 10, 15 years ago, you know, you're, for some of us, we were so focused on the next job, the next opportunity, the next title, the next organization. And she had simply said, you know, for my, my next opportunity, I want it to be in a city where I want to live, working with people I enjoy being around and for an organization that I respect. And that really resonated with me. And so as I look at different job opportunities, uh, same thing is, you know, how do you measure if that job's the right fit for you? And for everybody, it's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, one would look at your career path and go, wow, you've been able to jump from, you know, uh, you know, the, the college, you know, side of things, you know, coming from Texas A&M, being a student athlete, um, to the to multiple conference offices, to the NCAA, to the Big Ten, to being a commissioner, right, and now to the college football playoff, and go, wow, she had it easy, right? There's she made all the right jumps <laughs> and all the right moves, and you know you're probably sitting there going, yeah, no, not at all. There there was definitely you know opportunities I passed up. There's failures along the way, whatever the mm -hmm. case might be. Um, when you think about the moves you didn't make right it's kind of like the decisions it's the decisions that you don't make and the decisions that you do you're always going to make it the right decision but there's always going to be choices you didn't make right that you you are able to at least move on from you're right you're right it's like hey i didn't make that choice this was why and okay move on as opposed to oh well if i did this or the what if game right you, you can't play the what if game um but is there a, is there a choice or decision throughout your career where you look back and you're like, you know, at the time it was kind of iffy. I wasn't really sure. But now when I look back, that was the right decision. 
You know, you're, you're absolutely right in terms of, you know, our assessment of our situation and our opportunities. I'll tell you a fun story. I still have rejection letters from when I, you know, applied for every job under the sun when I was coming out of college that, and these are people that I work with today. And I sometimes enjoy bringing out the letter and saying, hey, this was my rejection letter back in 1997. Um, but it was great to get a letter from the Dallas Cowboys and to see that on your letterhead. Like that was really cool at that age, even if it was, you know, saying, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> um, but you know what, you know, there were, you know, job opportunities that I didn't take, probably some that I was interested in that I, I didn't get. And I think it all comes down to, there is no wrong or right way. There is no wrong or right answer. The decisions that you make or the opportunities that are afforded to you is what's right for you in that moment. And you hope that it's leading to whatever it is that you ultimately aspire to do or aspire to be. I just saw recently on social media and this really resonated with me and I haven't had an opportunity to really reconcile it, but it was to the point of you're not looking for your dream job, you're looking for your dream life. And I never thought about that because I'm so tied into career as part of who I am because I've always grown up with sports. I played sports, I work in sports, I love sports. Um, that's just part of who I am. But at the same time, how do you create some sort of divide or disconnect between who you are and what you do? Um, and so, you know, when anybody asked me about my transition from being the Big Sky Commissioner to the College Football Playoff COO, you know, I said that this was my dream job. When the CFP started back in 2015 and I was looking from the outside in, I was like, this is history. This is a tremendous event, great organization. That is my dream job. And here I am, I'm sitting in it feeling so fortunate and I wouldn't be here if it weren't for others who didn't mentor me, assist me, help me, groom me to be here. Um, but that's how I looked at it. So now I'm actually trying to take a step back and think, all right, how do I make this my dream life on top of my dream job? Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I, and I think uh, just even listening to that, you're pondering, you're like, okay, so what does a dream life consist of? Um, right. When you when you find out, tell me what that looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll have a separate conversation, maybe episode two, um, <laughs> and and we'll keep that one you know internal. But I think you know when you think about the the dream life, though, it's an interesting concept in how you think about that now, right? At this stage mm -hmm. in your career versus your dream life at twenty five, right, and starting right. out. Um, or, or whatever age you start out at. And I think those are two different dream lives, right? <laughs> at 25, you know, most people are thinking about family, you know, I don't really, I don't know what they're thinking about. Uh, everyone's different, but. Um, I, I was dreaming about making enough money to get cable. I remember that being a big deal go. at 25. That was, your, that was your, you know, thought of the week. Um, <laughs> and I think everyone's is different, right? And what they're going through uh, in their stage of life. But um no, it's, it's really insightful. Uh, I think the last thing we start to wrap up with, and, and as we go to a rapid fire session, which will, which will be fun, um, what's the biggest opportunity in the conference world? Since not, obviously now you're, you're away from it a little bit, but not too much. Um, what's the biggest opportunity if someone wanted to get into the conference office, you know, landscape within college athletics, again, internships, full-time job, whatever a case might be, where is it growing and kind of where are the opportunities that make, make sense for people to look at? 
you know, there is no rule of thumb in terms of if folks are interested in, in getting involved with conference work. You don't have to be a former student athlete. You don't have to major in sport administration. There are opportunities for anyone really to get involved. And so even before individuals apply for specific jobs, you have to think about the conference office makeup. And so imagine the championships that they host in the region in which all of their institutions live in those communities and finding ways to get involved in those and to volunteer. Typically conferences will also host NCA championships. So seeing what else that they're involved with and, and how can you be a part of that um, even in a non-official capacity. Uh, but certainly I would say informational interviews, reach out to a conference offices that you have interest in, or if they're individuals that happen to work in a particular department that you're interested in, reach out, ask them for a little bit of time and say, hey, can you tell me more about what it is that you do, your path, but specifically about the conference inner workings. I really did enjoy my time in the different respective conference offices I was in because it exposed you to a lot, right? You could work in compliance or marketing, or you could be the CFO, and yet all those people, and I'll, I'll give the example of the Big Ten, are part of the Big Ten basketball championships that were just held in Indianapolis, or they're supporting the Big Ten football championship game, or many of them will be getting involved in if there was talk about adding a sport or expansion or the start of a new conference network, you get involved in so many areas, even though your day-to-day -day might be something entirely different in championships, you're going to be invited to and be exposed to a lot more. And so, um, you know, if you can get the opportunity to get inside the walls of a conference office, I feel like the, the growth opportunity and the exposure and access that you get is really special compared to probably some other organizations that exist. But I would say reach out, volunteer, get involved. Yeah, that exposure point is is huge, right? And mm -hmm. even the ability to go to a conference office and then take that experience and go to a school, right? I'm sure is, is yep. certainly a valuable one. Um, all right, rapid fire. Uh, here oh, we go. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, the, the, the best part about being a student athlete competing against your siblings. That I was the baby and that they took it easy on me. I was, <laughs> I'm eight and seven years younger than they are. So they beat up on me pretty good, but they let me get away with a lot too. See, but now you've got the youth on your side. So now, <laughs> now you can, in, in the later part of your life, you're, you're winning now, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, they would argue differently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, favorite part about College Station? Oh my goodness. So much, Kyle Field and Wings and More. They have the best chili cheese fries. Oh my goodness. Um, but Kyle Field, when you walk out there, and of course, obviously I didn't play football, but we did a lot of conditioning on that turf field. And so um, have a lot of memories. We won't say good, bad, or indifferent, uh, but that's a really special place. And especially for a home football game, when you've got, you know, 100,000 people in there all with the same yells and chants, that's pretty awesome. You know, I'm thinking about, uh, you know, your experience at the Big Sky, and it's called the Big Sky for a reason. There's a lot of beautiful places in which these colleges reside. Um, I won't ask you to pick a favorite favorite team, per se, but a favorite place to visit. When I think back 
on my time with the big sky, the only way I describe it is majestic. Between the mountains and the national parks, there's nothing like it. Um, and so, you know, I had the opportunity, I lived on the Wasatch Front. Um, the, my backyard served as the Winter Olympics uh, downhill skiing location back in, I think it was 2002 when they hosted, don't quote me on that. Um, so I would even watch the snowcats at night clear the mountain and so random, here's a city girl um, sitting in her backyard watching snowcats down a mountain. Um, but everything, you know, the Big Sky had schools that were on the ocean and on the coast to those in the mountain. Um, everything about the Big Sky, the institutions, the region, um, hands down, one of the best kept secrets. All right, so at least maybe a favorite mascot? Oh, all of them. Um, Big Sky, when we talk about the Grizzlies, the Bobcats, the Lumberjacks, I mean, the Vikings. I mean, how amazing are all of those mascots? I get I get a chuckle out of it because they are truly some of my favorite mascots around. Like, I'm sorry for, you know, some of the ones in the Big Ten that I spent a lot of time with, um, but they had some really cool ones. So that's actually a really fond memory. So thank you for asking. Well, I, I as a commissioner, I know you did not get in a mascot suit as opposed to maybe if you were an <laughs> intern, but... But hey, you got to at least, you know, I think uh, the mascots are at least one of Andy's favorite things. Um, I know that I definitely flunk on a lot of his tests. And when he asked me, hey, what's the mascot of this school? And I'm like, oh, but now I know, you know, I go, I go Google and now I know. Um, well, I have to tell you, obviously, my favorite mascot is Reveille um, and Texas A&M, at least in the last couple of weeks, I saw that they are transitioning um, to have a new uh, mascot. And so she is obviously first class and I'm a huge fan. And when I was a student athlete back, I guess it was probably 1995, we were going through a transition. So I got a chance to take a picture with the um, outgoing Reveille as well as the incoming Reveille. So that was actually a really fond memory as well. I, hey, I, I have a couple of friends that are from Texas A&M and they are very, very proud. So I, I get it. I get it. Um, Why do people always say when I've got friends from A&M, there's like a different tone in your voice? <laughs> oh, no, it's just, it's, it's like any other big, you know, well now they're in the SEC, but it's like any other big institution that just, they bleed, you know, what maroon-ish. Yeah. <laughs> it's not crimson. I know it's not crimson, but it's That's right. maroon, maroonish. Um, all right, last one for you. As you think about, uh, look, you've been to a ton of different events, ton of different places. Um, is there one event or sporting event internationally that you would love Ooh. to go to? Oh my goodness. That is a great question. And I really had not thought about it. I, I would say it's probably in the lines of watching a soccer game or tennis match, um, you know, in Europe somewhere. I thought you were going to ask me what my all-time favorite event was, which I was geared up to answer. Hey, hey um, we'll go with that one too. We'll go with that one too. <laughs> um, you know, in terms of my all-time favorite, it would have been the Carrier Classic. So it was a game between North Carolina, Michigan State on an active um, aircraft carrier in San Diego. I got to take my brother with me. I remember watching. Um, yeah, that was incredible. I mean, the uh, uh, President Obama was there and addressed the country from the center court. Uh, Magic Johnson, who is my all-time favorite basketball player, was there. I mean, when you talk about just from an event manager's perspective, it was incredible. But then all these magnificent people were there as well. So 
that was a lot of fun. And I've, I've been very fortunate to go to a lot of different sporting events. And that one certainly is top of the list. So I'm going to, look, I said I had asked the last question, but now I'm really going to ask the last question. <laughs> you mentioned elevation. And now that I'm thinking about the basketball game on the aircraft carrier, like there's no way to predict wind or adjust for wind weather condensation weather. yes and obviously sandy i believe is um the below marine. sea level I mean, that's the marine yeah that's like yeah. yeah well when i tell you i mean kudos and hat off to all the organizers that were involved with the creation of the event but also the um execution of it it started to rain an hour after the game that's how close it was and i remember there's a fog or some sort of condensation that comes over kind of that Bay Area in the evening too that they had to contend with. So don't know how they did it, but they did and it was phenomenal. I was gonna say San Diego, like it's the probably one of the best places in the world, but in terms of the weather, like, you could get that fog, just kind of roll in whenever it wants to. So uh, that's that that doesn't surprise me that it started to rain an hour after the game, but um, certainly an interesting fact for sure. Well, really appreciate your time, insights, thoughts, advice, perspectives. I mean, it's truly incredible what you've been able to accomplish, what you will continue to do so. Um, and, you know, hey, part of the Bobcat family as well. So uh, always, always connected in that way uh, through and through. We love our Green Mafia. Thank you so much. So great to be with you today. Thanks.